So oddly enough, we um, there's some noises in the background, some people working in your house, Jimmy. But I got a tweet just a little while ago on Twitter from Daniel on Twitter, a tweet on Twitter from a, a tweeterer named Daniel who said, for the record, the background noises don't bother me on the podcast. I just figured I'd share anyway. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that. Is so he, he's the guy uh, who sent uh, out. Speaking the, of the devil, did you hear that? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're cutting trim and board upstairs. But he 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 said like some kind of app that would like cancel the background noise out of something. Is that what he was talking about? Yeah, yeah. He was talking about there's some service that will. <laughs> That's not on purpose, by the way. <laughs> <It's> really funny. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, yeah, it it removes background noise. From I'm in my kitchen, and we're having two of the rooms. I Instagrammed about a couple of days ago. My buddy Brian and Mike, my two buddies, they're upstairs redoing the rooms. They do a beautiful job, and it's so hard to find craftspeople up here that can actually do stuff. And my house has been getting neglected since YouTube has taken over, and I haven't done too much woodwork in the house. And I met these guys. They're local guys to where I grew up in Long Island, but now they live up here, and we made friends at the Milk Run. We bumped into each other, and he was a fan of the channel, Mike, and then he came to the go-kart event. Long story short, Mike now is helping me in my house, and they did a fantastic job, and they're going to slowly kind of work their way through different rooms in the house and redo the plaster and the walls, and this house has no insulation, so anytime we work in a room, we got the walls insulated from the inside, covered back up, and uh, right now they're upstairs. They know I'm on the podcast, they're just hammering stuff on the floor purposely, so... <laughs> but, uh, so no, so those guys are doing that, and, and that's what I'll, I'll try and mute myself as often as possible. And oh, another well, another update: um, this farmhouse is no longer the chicken rooster sanctuary that it was. I took in a lot of roosters this year from fans and fans. Uh, we collected up about twenty birds, and we brought them to a farm nearby that has like a hundred acres and doesn't care that thirteen roosters start crowing at about four in the morning, and. <laughs> So we that we're down to like two roosters now. One, the only reason is because he's stuck under the porch. So uh, we haven't been able to get him, and it's been snowing. So long story short, we've just like culled the herd considerably. We brought a lot of birds to uh, a farm about 20 miles away, and that people will think that they were slaughtered. No, it's just a big farm that just takes in all kinds of animals. And the reason being, we just had too many, just too many, too many clucking, too many. And it, the, the coop was like breaking up because this rooster would have these five hens, and that rooster would have the, and like they were staying in the blacksmith shop, they were staying on the back porch, under the porch. So we're going to try and wrangle it, get it back to normal. No more roosters, maybe one or two just for fun. But we still have the turkeys and we still have the ducks. Whenever my parents told me that they took the kittens to a farm, I believed them. (laughs) I'm not sure I believe them now. But you actually took them to a a real farm, No, we did. Yeah, no, Taylor ran a Craigslist ad and said chickens and roosters for free. We We just need to make some room. And somebody stepped right up and said, bring them here. And so Taylor wrangled them all, put them in a couple boxes, and brought them over there on Saturday. <clears throat> Definitely not a slaughter place. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Kitten slaughter. <laughs> it's it's really slaughter. hard to believe you. I mean, you no, know, I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> Definitely not disposable razor blades. Definitely not slaughtered chickens. Definitely not. True on both of those facts. <laughs> oh boy. It's gonna <laughs> be all right. A fun let's go life. ahead and jump it. Jump into it. <laughs> yeah. Give us. Give us the thing. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Well. I, I, I just found, I found out this week that you can't say disposable. It's, you know, it's on that list of, you know, 
do not uh, DNR, do not resuscitate that word. You can't use the word disposable. And I really just meant mm. it. I, I, You know I never throw anything out. Do you think I'm going to make one of those razor blades, uh, use it till it's dull, and then look at the garbage can and throw it in the garbage can? I would never in a million years do that. But because I guess I was promoting the idea of disposable, like that video that I put up this weekend got so many negative comments. I deleted about 40 comments of just like, how could you? I, I, you just, I really expected better than this from you. It was unbelievable. And Wasn't uh, the purpose of the mold to pour your excess epoxy that was the, from... You know, that was the absolute original intention. The But like, I kind of got off it and I started thinking more product development. So my message kind of got a little meandered, like by the time I did my voiceover. But that was the mm. absolute 100% original intention was just like when you have... I came up with the idea when I was working with Kristen and Mike from Total Boat when we were in Kansas City and we kept pouring resin and I said, wouldn't it be cool if we could pour this extra resin into like a tool mold? And I had made that razor blade with just hot glue and couple of pieces of wood and i was like oh what we need is an inset you stick a razor blade in and you mold a handle around it just came to me while we were playing and we laughed about it and then i got home and i started working on the video with aaron and then when i put the video out by the time i put it out i'm like oh you can make your own razor blades i kind of forgot the idea that it was leftover resin and i quick did some damage control on sunday morning we taylor went in and rewrote the description for me and we changed the title to use your leftover resin for the you know but still, I, I stopped mm. looking at the comments because it really got me. Gets gets you get that like pit in your stomach. You guys, everybody's felt that pit in your stomach when you feel like, yeah, you know, you're being misunderstood and there's no way to change it. And I just stopped looking. At first, I first noticed some guy on Instagram where you feel like you're hanging out with your bros and your friends, and he's like, "This is I expect more from you. This is ridiculous. Why would you want to put more stuff in the landfill?" And what's what's crazy is like, if I take a product that's on the shelf. And I'm not saying Total Boat should get any guff for this either, but it, the product already exists on the shelf. I'm just transforming the shape of it and making it something else that's actually useful. And I told you guys before yeah. we started, I even argued with somebody that said it's even it's more advantageous to the landfill to just pour the cup in the garbage and not make it into something else. I was like, I, I said, I really don't understand that reasoning at all. So hmm. anyway, I just stopped reading the comments and that's that. If, they, if you don't read them, they don't exist. Just everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just Makes bailed. Life easier. I, I bailed on the comments. And that being said, uh, uh, a glimpse inside my buddy, Chris Burton, you guys know Chris Burton. He did a, a, a video. He was so inspired by the idea. He did a video just like a day later. And he says, he goes, would you mind if I did a video? I said, of course not. And in the first, he sent me the link as soon as it was published. Like the first two comments, like, I can't believe you're making garbage for the landfill. Like, this is so crazy that people just... And then the other comment is like, what about the other side of the knife? What about the other side of the blade? You can only use one side of the blade. So... I can't really tell how you feel about this. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe go a little bit further. That was, that was the yeah. So what bothers said, you about this, Jimmy? What about the <laughs> other side of the blade? It's stuck in the handle. <laughs> Poor blade. So, okay. Anyway. Legitimately, though, yeah. <clears throat> does this give you an idea to make a follow-up that uh, to the same idea but is not as throwaway? Like, could you... Could you step it up a little bit and make two halves that oh, bolt together yeah. around a blade and still use the excess to make the halves or something to that effect? Because making making another video would give you a, a chance to explain your original 
explain your original intention. Blades gonna slip and cut your finger. Sorry, I was just reading comments. What did you say? (laughs) (laughs) Making a follow-up video with like an evolution of the idea would give you a chance to explain your original purpose and, you know, kind of level it up and... You know what I'm going to do to redeem myself this weekend? I'm going to make a marionette show out of cans. So that's what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to go in the recycling bin and make a bunch of marionette puppets. And me and Aaron are going to put on a puppet show Mm. with marionettes made out of cans. And And that's that's, that one, you have to use the real-time audio from that. Like, no speaking, (laughs) just the cans clanking together. Absolutely. No, I, I didn't know Taylor said that. She goes, now's an opportunity for you to you know, take it in the opposite direction and take something. Well, like I haven't done that before. Take something right out of the garbage and turn it into something. That's an original idea. Oh, wait, I've done that 700 times. A second video could really show how ideas evolve, how the necessity to, you needed a, you needed a knife when you were in Kansas City, and now how that involved, evolved into, like, use a leftover resin. And that could be... Now, make your own two-piece thing where you can use both sides of the blade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to grind them up and take them outside and feed them to pigeons. So that's it. That's what I'm done. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Emails. Just a joke. Don't send emails. never do that. And like I, somebody, like even the guy in the comment on the on the Instagram thing, I said, I go... Are you absolutely serious? Do you think I would ever throw anything away? I was like, I just, I, I what I meant was, you know, here's a knife, you use it up, and then you, you know, it's it's leftover resin, it's, you use it up, and that's the end of it, and then you just hot glue it to the wall, you know? That's what I would do, but anyway, long story short, I learned a very important lesson that you can't promote anything being disposable. Now, all those people that made comments, and then when, once I'm done with this, I'll never say anything again, probably drank a few bottles of water that week, or, you know, a couple cups of coffee. Absolutely true. I have a couple cups. Of, I never, ever buy coffee cups. I never have plastic lids unless somebody brings me a coffee. The idea of throwing away a plastic lid continuously over and over and over again. Now, all those people that made comments, if you've never thrown away a coffee lid, you can't say that I'm creating garbage. I use Yeti mugs or, you know, the thermal mugs from Walmart. I never, ever, where's my mug? It's right here. <laughs> Here's my mug. It's got my logo on it. Stainless mug. I've been using of it every course. time I go. Yeah, <laughs> go get our mugs. All three of us have our own stainless mugs that we use. I never <laughs> buy coffee cups. I never use those plastic lids. So the reason I bring that up is like that's a common thing that nearly every single person doesn't even think twice about. But if I make a razor blade out of leftover resin that would automatically go in the garbage anyway, I'm contributing to the earth's downfall. Because I'm taking something that already exists in one form, turning it into a different shape that's actually usable for the moment. And there you go. Well, I mean, it brings up a few things. Like, honestly, you you can't please everybody. So no matter what you do. Absolutely. No matter how conscious you would try to be about material saving or, you know, scrap saving or reuse of things without throwing them away, it's not going to be good enough for somebody. And that's okay. I mean, that's... um, But at the same time, we do have a responsibility to try to kind of steward the things that we have sure. as well as we can. hundred percent. Efficient with our material. People joke about um, a lot of times when we use walnut and stuff, I'll say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll say like, I just have this scrap of walnut and it's a piece of walnut that's like, you know, two inches long by three quarters of an inch and like six feet long or, you know, even two feet long. It's like a weird 
piece left over from something else. And they're like, oh, you just have scrap walnut. I'm like, yeah, because I don't throw anything away. <laughs> like any hardwood, no matter the size, it goes into a bin until I get to a point to where I have to start getting rid of stuff. And so, like, I'm not flaunting that. I'm not saying, like, my scrap is nicer than your scrap. It's just that, like, I hang on to that stuff because it's probably useful. And yesterday, I made an entire project out of pieces of walnut that are about three-quarter inch by five inch by one inch. The entire thing. And it was all stuff out of that bin where I just took little pieces that wouldn't have been used otherwise that would have been in the burn pile and turned it into a project that I think is going to look really nice. So... I'm not flaunting that. I'm trying to be resourceful. I, uh, I want to shout out to my friend Brian. He sometimes listens, and um, he refers to whenever I buy expensive things, he's like, oh, you got that walnut money. But I do want to point out that <laughs> where we are from, walnut is everywhere. Like, I can look out my window right now, mm. and there's a walnut tree. And, I don't, and I'm assuming it is not like that everywhere. Um, walnut grows yeah. quite a bit in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and in this area. Um, and so I do have scrap walnut and, uh, and you can buy like Josh, your Josh bought a, a truckload of walnut for like a dollar. So yeah. like you can get these amazing deals and where I'm from, walnut is not a rare species. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things that um, the opposite side of that, when I went to buy teak years and years and years ago for a project, it was a commission project. So the people I was working with wanted it in teak. They were willing to pay for it. And we were in Georgia. We had to go to Jacksonville to get this teak. And it was insanely expensive, like just ridiculously expensive because they had to bring it from Brazil. Mm-hmm. But then I think Jimmy's even talked about this before. In South America, teak and woods like that are like the pine here. It's just like, it's just wood. They don't, it's not expensive. They don't really care about it. They just use it as they use it because it's the common species. Same kind of thing though. We're willing to pay a huge amount of money because it's not local or it's not regional or mm-hmm. whatever to where we are. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this or not a few weeks back, but Anthony found a pallet of cherry um, at some auction site or whatever. So he and Josh and I all three went in on buying this pallet together. And I think it was like 600 and something bucks for the, it's a pallet. All the pieces are eight quarter. They're 12 to 14 feet long. Oh, wow. Anywhere from like six to 12 inches wide. It is so much cherry. Wow. And so my new scrap wood for the next <laughs> 10 years is going to be cherry. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, it, it is so much and it was a really good deal though, because, <clears throat> excuse me, but between the three of us being able to find a place that just had really rough sawn stuff that we can work on in little pieces, you know, to get it into the, the shape that we want. It's not fancy anymore. It's not expensive. It's just not as common, but it's still from this region. You know, it's not from out anywhere. But so I think, yeah, materials like that are just one of those things that if you don't have access to it locally, it looks like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. People burn walnut for firewood here. Like, I am not even joking. Oh, yeah. 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 I was in Taylor and I six years ago. I just got a memory on Facebook that reminded me. It was six years ago, February. Taylor and I went to Belize for a week with some friends. And we went and visited a furniture factory that was like a small factory, not a big one. Just a couple, like 10 guys working on making chairs. And... 
walking through that little town where the factory was, there was sidewalks being porn, uh, poured for concrete. <clears throat> and all the forms were made out of mahogany. Like mahogany two-by-fours, <laughs> mahogany planks, like shoring up the sides of the six-inch deep pour. And I was like, what is... And then we went to the factory... And the, every, all the furniture is being made out of mahogany. So there it is being like presented like a beautiful wood. On the way to the factory, we saw hundreds of board feet you being used as two-by-fours. And they wow. said, this is the common wood that's here. This is what we use. Like, you guys use yeah, pine. Because yeah. I was with uh, somebody who travels between Belize and America a lot. And uh, my, my buddy Ted goes, you guys use pine in America all the time. And you know, he goes, we use, we use uh, mahogany. It's just because it's... Yeah. grows up here like like weeds that's that hmm. i mean even within the states it's you know east coast west coast we don't have any redwoods here and that seems kind of exotic to me just because it's not common but if you go to california and you go to home depot or a lowe's their two by fours are just red and it's weird but that's just like what's there i guess i don't know anyway i think we do have a responsibility to you know as much as we make stuff we have a responsibility to try to be as like thoughtful about how much we waste and and all those types of things but at the same time there is a middle ground there because anybody who does the same uh operation as their job on a weekly basis you create a lot of everything you create a lot of product and product creates waste and so i would imagine that even being conscious of it the waste that i produce is greater than most other individual woodworker type people who do it as a hobby because i do more of it not because i'm better not because i spend more money on it it's just volume you know so i i hope people that watch understand that that's kind of part of it you know to make a thing i have to buy plywood and there's always leftover plywood that doesn't get used and we save everything taylor and i save everything taylor's got huge bins of scrap leather that are random shapes that don't fit inside her furniture model so she just saves them and then when anybody comes crafting person i remember being a young maker and if somebody offered me a bin of leather hey pick through take whatever you want it would be like gold Mm. and you know we constantly do that and i haven't done it up here only because it's not really logistically practical but in the city Every, like once a year, I would say, hey, anybody want material? I'd put all this material to the front room at the shop and I, and fans would come from all over the New York area and say, take whatever you want out of that front room. It's all of your, mm-hmm. you know, so I never throw anything away. And even when like I see a piece of wood in the street, like if I was, you know, obviously more when I was in New York, if I saw a piece of wood in the street that deserved to be turned into something, I would drag it home and it would either get recycled through that, you know, program and air quotes where I would give stuff away eventually, or I would use it for something. Yeah, sorry. Close well, that's crazy. <laughs> that's that's real. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this because we this topic has been brought up a few times, <clears throat> and um, we just it's, I don't think we've talked about it much. And you know, in our everyday lives, we uh, we try to recycle as much as we can. We've got a big recycle bin, and we've got a trash bin, and we always have more recycling than what our local waste management will take. So. Um, Luckily, our local Kroger grocery store has bins where you can throw cardboard and cans and and plastic bottles and stuff. And so we are very conscious of it. I'm not perfect. There's no way. I mean, I'm not even close to being perfect, but it's something I do think about. And um, I'm kind of glad we're talking about it a little bit today. There is a place and here in Toledo, uh, Maumee, a suburb of Toledo, it's, uh, it's just scraps. 
It's a uh, could be called scraps for less or scrap art or something like that. But you can go there and it's for artists and and makers. And you, there's just paper and leather and wood cutoffs and stuff. And then there's also the Habitat hmm. for Humanity, where you can go and you can get all kinds of like cutoffs from countertops and granite and wood and and all kinds of stuff. So if you and and you can take those things yes. to those places too. Yes. Yes. I mean that, that's an important point. Yeah. So. Um, with the recycling, I'm with you. Like we create a lot of recycling. I mean, we have a family of six. There's a lot of, I get a lot of Amazon packages, which, you know, that's not a super ecological thing to do, but it's part of working from home and having to order a lot of parts. Um, one of the things that we did, this may help you, David, we have waste management as well. And they give you the tiny little green bin, which we fill up about six times a week, you know, and then there's boxes and stuff on top of that. And I called them to find out if they had a bigger can, like a 55-gallon or whatever the the big gallon can is that they could bring by. And they said, no, we don't. But if you put one out there and mark it, then we'll take it. So I went and bought a trash can and then cut out on the laser the waste management logo and spray-painted it on the side of the, the recycling version of it on the side of this can. And so when I take our bin out, I just put this can right behind it, and they take it every single time. So might be an option for somebody that you know because i don't i think that would be a discouraging factor for people to like really lean into what can be recycled we recycle every scrap of paper every scrap of cardboard the plastics that are allowed here because not all of them are um so we end up with a lot of it but i'm glad that we always have more recycling than we than we do trash recycling is even flawed right now um for a here we're, we're sometimes we're backwards here in the United States for a long time we were sending um bin like boatloads of our recycling to China where the, it would then be sorted out and recycled and i think within yeah. the past year or so uh they've stopped taking that so we're kind of in this like we have to now deal with our own trash oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. um and no what a thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy right um and so i know that uh I've heard, I don't know if this is true, like some of the recycling is just getting thrown out. So we've, you know, even as a as a whole, our recycling system needs to be fixed or whatever, but it's, it's, yeah. it's important that we all think about it. Yeah, I think so. Um, we didn't really talk about, David, what you were working on this week. We just jumped right into hmm. the thing. You got anything going on? Anything cool? Uh we uh, a couple of videos. Um, I filmed a, a little video on pencils. Um, I may have talked about that last week, but the, the video is edited, and I I thought it was a good video. But there's no there's no action, so it, I think today I'm going to shoot some super glossy, high frame rate video of like a pencil in action. Try to come up with a little montage to Ooh. spice up the video just a little bit, and then. Um, and then Dan didn't come over yesterday as he normally does because of things, but I think he's coming over either tomorrow or Friday and we're going to shoot a, um, a video about my Stepcraft CNC and some of the cool things that it does. So, um, that's what's going on here. And so earlier, um, we've got a big mural up on the, on one wall now, and it's gotten me thinking like, what do I want to do with the other walls? I want to add color. I want the shop to be playful i want it to be more of a studio than a shop and um i have the sliding wall behind me and right now it's six panels of dry erase board 
And that's way more dry erase board than I would ever need. And it's white and it's kind of boring. So I've been trying to think like, what can I do to add texture or color to that? And um, one of the ideas is I take my scraps, any scrap that's bigger than four inches by four inches, uh, I, I can cut out like a, a hexagon or an octagon or some sort of triangle or shape uh, and then glue that to the wall. And then the wall slowly expands over time with different thicknesses and colors of wood. And then um, Jimmy gave me the idea of like, oh, I should make a little mold for whenever I have excess resin, I can pour it into that mold and then I can add little splashes of color throughout there too. So um, Hmm. one way I might use up some scraps. So you'd make like a tile mold. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So if I, I, I'm open to suggestions, if anybody um, wants to tweet at me ways to add texture to to my my, it's the wall behind my bench. It's a sliding white wall. Um, I've looked at textured wallpapers, and the problem is they're each panel is 36 inches, and the wallpaper that I found was smaller than that, and I didn't want to do seams and i'm okay with each panel being a different color or a different texture but i definitely want a texture like a 3d element to it something that will collect dust hmm. and make um shop dust difficult to deal with <laughs> that's the spirit yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny um let's see for me uh what is today i don't even know i'm so lost uh i think we have a hanger video coming out which doesn't sound interesting it was interesting to me, but it's for helmets. So once uh, a, couple, a few weeks back, I made the Mandalorian helmets for me and my son. And then I started looking around. How do you like what's a good uniform way to display these things? And I found a video of a guy that made a little hanger, that, like a low profile hanger that goes on the wall. And it's kind of a bolt together, just kind of a U shape. But it's made specifically for the helmet that he was using. And then that got me thinking about well, what if you made this little like clip kind of clamp deal that was uh, flexible enough to hold any shape helmet and any size helmet, but would be low profile against the wall and underneath the helmet. So you didn't see like a, a neck coming out of the bottom of it or anything like that. So the video is kind of uh, prototyping, really. It's two different versions. The first one I tried without using any welding just to see if I could get the idea to work. And it proved that the idea would work, but it's not the best way to do it. And then I went on to uh, a, another version of it that's made out of steel. And it's not as pretty, but it's also supposed to be hidden. Well, it's, it's not as pretty as I wanted it to be. It's prettier than the first one, which was really ugly. It's not as pretty as I wanted it to be, but it's inside the helmet, so you don't see it anyway. Anyway, it was a fun prototyping process to get through the first attempt, realize what the geometry problems were, and then to come up with another idea that's general enough to be able to display helmets. So hopefully it'll be helpful. Um, the The bigger thing that I think is, is going on right now is <laughs> the other night I kind of like sat down and we like looked at the schedule for the next couple months. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like we don't have as many things on the schedule. I don't have any really great ideas about, you know, projects that I want to come up with and I'll come up with them as I need to, but there's nothing like really, you know, like out there. And then I started thinking about one. I'm not going to tell you all the projects because I want to keep them secret. But I started thinking about one. I'm like, oh, I'm laying in bed, like 1230, can't sleep. 
And I'm like, oh yeah, I should, yeah, okay, that'd be cool. So I get on McMaster and I'm ordering parts and I order a part. And the next day we start talking about another project and then another project. And then we find out that we actually have a sponsor for the kitchen, which is fantastic. But now the kitchen is going to happen. The renovation is going to happen soon and it has to start. And there's a thousand <laughs> decisions to be made and it's going to create a lot of content. But it was funny because in one day, well, in like a two day span, I, I, w- I went from like, I don't really have a whole lot like that I'm excited about that I'm looking forward to making. And then it was just this floodgate opened of this thing. And then that gave me another idea for this other thing. And then Josh was working on something and I wanted to make one too. And so now we're going to make a video of work making these things together. And then this big renovation dropped in the schedule. So now it's like, oh, the next several months are very, very packed <laughs> and exciting. Yeah. It always goes so, that way where you feel like you don't have cool. either anything to do or not enough work coming in. And then, you know, don't panic. It's one thing I always try and remember is never yeah. panic because you just breathe. Even this morning, I opened up an email from my friends in the liquor business. They want me to make a full on travel trailer just one not 50 but like a real (laughs) full-on travel trailer so they can customize it how they want it with a really big budget and i thought he was going to say we need it by march 1st but he says we need it by the end of may so that gives me an opportunity to agree to do it because there's plenty of time and certainly a lot of content and that came in this morning and the same thing last week Hmm. thinking i don't have any ideas and you know any ideas that i'm excited about i have plenty of ideas just none that are like bubble to the surface that feel ready to do the logistics of all the tools are ready to go and the electric's ready you know i have a lot of tools but not everything's powered up correctly or now there's snow on the ground and you know yeah so you gotta like there's a lot more people always say oh why didn't you just blah 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 you know (laughs) because i didn't just blah 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 because my power isn't working or there's 10 feet of snow on the ground and I can't get to the tool where I could just blah, 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 you know what it is. <laughs> so I That's think of an alternative. How do, I, how do I spell that exactly? <laughs> well, why didn't what? you just... People completely, like people that comment, of course, you know, we can talk forever about the people that comment in a negative way, just don't realize there's limited time, space, energy, things that go into something. Like that is just a snapshot yeah. of the way... Anybody would do something. We're a little bit more primped and prepped because we're putting it on video. It doesn't necessarily mean we always take the perfect, correct approach. You know, mm-hmm. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, like I said, let me put a window on you. Let me put a window and a frame on you doing anything in your shop alone for, you know, even if you know the camera's on you. You, know, you see people will, like, pick up a tool completely the wrong way because they just assume that's how you use it, you know? <laughs> anyway, so I have the kitchen coming up. And I know I've talked a little bit about it recently. Well, actually, I mean, I talked about it for the last year or so. It was funny because I mentioned it a few weeks ago on here that we, it was something we were starting to think about again. And I got another email from a guy named Rick. Hey, Rick, I know you're listening. He reached out when I first mentioned it like a year ago and said, I design kitchens. Like, we do cabinetry. It's all custom. I can help you, you know. And I wrote him back at that point and was like, thank you. Whenever we actually start getting serious about it, I will reach out. And then the other day when I talked about it on the podcast, he sent another message and was like, you're still talking about it. Let me help you. (laughs) So Rick and I have started talking. Uh, It was funny, though, because we started talking about it as in like, hey, this is something we might think about doing in the next several months. And then now it's happening. So I'm not entirely sure that I have time to get Rick's help, but... I want to publicly say that I appreciate it and I will do my best to take advantage of help given to me. 
Um, we are about to jump into this thing, though, and it is a full, like, clean slate, take it all out mm. and open up a doorway a little bit and start over kind of thing. So the kitchen is from the 80s, 1983, has not changed. I mean, the original range is in there, still kicking, but, you know, it's still there. We've replaced a few other appliances, but, I mean, otherwise it's like fluorescent light in the ceiling, linoleum on the floor, um, you know, the whole deal. So we're really pulling it completely out. What was funny is the other day I sat down at the table with the kids and we were eating dinner and I was like, all right, kids, we have some kind of exciting news. We're going to be redoing the kitchen and we have to set some ground rules and some expectations for you guys because this is like going to throw your world into disarray for several months. And they were like, wait, what? (laughs) And my kids do school at home right now. And one of them, at least one of them works in the kitchen. One of them works in our kind of dining room, which is connected. And both of those rooms are going to be gone for a long time. And so they're going to have to be in other parts of the house. Uh, we had a, It was a, an adjustment to try to give them all a space where they could work that wasn't right next to each other. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of moving life around. Uh, you know, tearing out your kitchen with four kids is... And for kids who are doing school from home is is not what we had in mind. We weren't really thinking that through when we planned on doing it, but that's just where we're at. So if I sound stressed during this show <laughs> over the next, I don't know, let's say six months, uh, forgive me. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it, but it's a lot of decision making. It's going to be a lot of physical labor and you know all that. We've worked together for like, what, five, six years now? I... Mm-hmm. I don't know what I, I, I've never seen you stressed uh, or, or mad. I don't know if I know that, Bob. Hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So what you also didn't know is that I'm a fantastic actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently. Yeah. Now, I, I, I do think it's, you know, when we moved here, I remember that time of trying to get the house ready for, because I came up a few weeks early. And trying to get the house ready enough for everybody to move in. It was a lot of like quick renovation, putting down flooring. And I remember that month or two months being physically, mentally just wiped me out. I was so tired. And so I'm trying to look ahead at this uh, kitchen thing. And I don't want to get like that. I don't want it to consume, you know, like every every bit of my attention and every bit of my of my strength and stuff. So... We're trying to plan it out and not try to force it to be so fast that it does that to us. But at the same time, like you don't want to extend the time of not having a kitchen in your house any longer than you absolutely have to. So, you know, we're looking at like how to move around the appliances, put the the oven in the in the garage so that we can still cook and move the fridge into the next room and stuff like that. So maybe it won't be as bad as I'm thinking, but I am excited about actually moving forward on it because this is the last big part of our house that hasn't gotten any attention whatsoever. This is like, you know, one end of the house is the kitchen and the dining room area. It's all connected and um, it's kind of like the last holdout. So, which is actually a little bit sad because it's the last holdout of my grandparents mm-hmm. like untouched. This was their home and we've we've made the rest of it our own and this is the last little end that looks like it did when I was growing up and so that's a little bit weird to move on from but when I think about how much time we spend in there 
and how much better it's going to be. I'm looking forward to that, right? Of making that space like fit us and not what it was for them. So anyway, that's coming up for me and that's going to be pretty big. And then hopefully all of these other ideas that I had um, and other things that we as a company are already working on, (laughs) which is a whole nother big set of things. Hopefully all that stuff will keep moving and, you know, keep happening around the kitchen. I don't want the kitchen to derail any of the rest of it, but it's a big thing. Bob, are you are you considering a stove? Because I'm going to highly recommend an AGA stove. That's the stove I have here. It's the yeah. I think I told you that last time. I mean, you should. Yeah, look we've looked it. at those uh, based on your recommendation, and at this point, we're trying to decide the placement and the size of the range. That's like our that's the linchpin for the rest of it. So once we get that down, then choosing the specific one. Um, They're expensive if you yeah. buy them new. We bought ours used. It's like a twenty thousand dollars mm-hmm. stove. We got it for less than two thousand really? on eBay. Yeah, <laughs> unless you can get a sponsorship with Aga, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That costs more than Probably a couple not. of the houses that I've actually lived in. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, as I said, the only reason we got it is because Taylor got it from somebody. She's incredible researcher. I, I say Taylor Investigative Google Research uh, Firm is what she should start. Between her and Aaron, there's not anything that's on the internet that can't be found. It's pretty incredible. Anyway, she found it on eBay. The family had just gotten this house, and they didn't understand the stove, and they didn't want it. So they disconnected it, dragged it into the garage, and it was a picture. It's like, anybody want this starting bid was like $100, and the bid went up to 2000 And by the time we got it. So it was just under 2000 by the time we bought it. You're in your kitchen now, Jimmy. You you leaned back to give us a glimpse in there that little center island is that a walnut top uh that is a top uh from lumber liquidators it's made out of uh uh formaldehyde it's uh (laughs) solid formaldehyde no it's it's the oak it's the oak uh island from uh lumber liquidators i think yeah. And it's, it comes this size, and we just made a frame underneath it to hold it in place. It's literally just plopped here, and underneath it is just a big wire frame that holds pots and pans underneath it. Taylor made it for the classes because she didn't want, when we do the classes, everyone just plops down in the table in here. And she wanted it to feel transient. She didn't want anybody to come in here and stay. So she put the center island. It's like 40 inches high and... Well, it's actually like 36 inches high and no stools. Well, at the time, now there's stools in here, so we all hang around it now, but... That is a great place to get large, like butcher block style chunks of of wood. I mean, you can get that in walnut or maple or whatever, and probably would cost you more to buy all that lumber, glue it up, and clamp it, and plane it, and cut it, and and all that. So, lumber liquidators oh, is yeah. a good resource for wood. You know, you mentioned earlier um, the Habitat for Humanity. They have the restore store mm-hmm. um, where you know it's like construction materials or things like that that are either used or excess or whatever and people drop them off there and that helps them make money i went there to drop off some things recently and they had a stack and obviously this is going to be different from every store week to week but to give you an idea of what they had they had a stack of butcher block countertops wrapped in plastic and they were the stack was about i don't know three feet two feet tall i don't there were different multiple stacks and there was one that was maple. And these pieces are, you know, an inch and a half thick, eight feet long, 24 or 36 inches wide. Huge, solid butcher block maple. And then they had one, a whole stack of acacia. And it was gorgeous. And I'm sure it's not there anymore. But I thought about going back and 
just buying a couple of these because they were like 99 bucks a piece. And I was like, I could just buy these and cut them down and use them for, I don't know, tool tops, you know, for like carts or mm-hmm. uh, maybe we need some, maybe if I ever build the A-frame, you know, we could use them for countertops out there. But so if you keep an eye on a place like that, you may come across the same kind of thing. Um, you know, it's definitely hit or miss when you could go to Lumber Liquidators or someplace like that and just order Butcher Block. But anyway, that was a cool thing to find. I'm sure they're gone. I probably should have bought them, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, we don't really have a topic or anything. You guys got anything else going on? Anything interesting or coming up or anything? So I, I don't, uh, but I have this and this is not, <laughs> oh, okay. this is not my pick. Um, but like four years ago, Jimmy suggested this book and it's been in my wish list, my Amazon wish list for a long time. And I got a lot of things in my wish list. And when I need something that's just like a small thing, I feel guilty for ordering a small thing from Amazon. So mm. I'll just throw in something from the wish list. And this was the mechanical 507. Oh, yeah. Movements. That's a great book. Um, yeah. I mean, it was written like 100 years ago, um, but it, it's it's all relevant. It's all um, just beautiful diagrams of of how things work together and move and hopefully i can turn this into something necessary that's a great book because when you're stumped or you're looking for ideas it's a great book to look through i mean it's a great little thing to spark inspiration and uh it's funny I'm, i'm actually in real time right now i'm texting back and forth with taylor last night we had dinner and i was like i have no ideas i said maybe i should make a cutting board for the first time ever and right away she's like make a big Hmm. round cutting board and talking about how to dish it out and she's like it should should have a dip in it it's like make a cutting board with a big dip in it so now here it is it's wednesday morning and it wasn't until last night at about midnight we had this conversation and so and we're texting back and forth about it because while I've been on the phone with you, I had a brainstorm. While I've been on the podcast, I had a brainstorm. I don't want to say what it is, but I have an interesting way. To- really paying attention, yeah, huh? Yeah, no, no, because I keep <laughs> muting you guys because you know there's so much noise here. Um, no, the uh, and then the guy who, mo- who who plowed the driveway came, so that's why I dipped out for a second. So I apologize. I had to pay him. Um, long story short, while I've been on with you guys, I came up with an interesting way to make a, a very clever, interesting, very dangerous way of making. <laughs> a a cutting board that's not just a CNC cutting board. So that's why I've always avoided making a cutting board because I'm always like, ah, it's just going to be a CNC job. But I'm assuming some way. sort of Izzy Swan type jig yeah, for this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You you had me at danger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> so right now, while in real time, while we're here, I'm just I'm just sketching it and thinking it through. And um, so it's it's. It's cool. So that's it. That's all I'm saying. Sweet. Look for Friday when you hear this, maybe uh, Sunday by that. If I haven't reported any fingers missing, um, you know, yeah. we're gonna be good. it's going to be working out. <laughs> Sunday video. Sunday video with some bandages. No, I'm kidding around. It's, uh, I'm also thinking in terms of, like, for instance, like <clears throat> a lot of people just see something in production and they go, oh, CNC must be done in CNC. <laughs> and a couple of years ago, I visited tablelegs.com in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. I went up there and I made friends with the, the owner, Matt Barrett. And I said to him, we were in the lobby of his building. He owns this big, giant antique factory building that they make the table legs at. And 
I said, I go, you must use CNC. He goes, it's so funny. Everybody thinks we use CNC. We don't use CNC because it takes too long. Oh. Making a leg on CNC takes mm. like 25 minutes. He goes, I mean, you're making hundreds of legs a day. You can't, you don't have the time for that. He has one CNC machine that he only uses for prototyping. I, huh. funny you mention it. I just bought a lathe duplicator. It's still in the box. Oh, no but kidding. It, it hook, like it, it hooks up to your lathe and you, and then you can run along a template to do repeatable yeah. things. I Cause I want to make a, a bunch of that and I never finished it. Oh, but it's too complicated. But oh, I, be, did you make your own? I, I never finished the video because I just said, forget it. They just gave up on it. It wasn't working out. But anyway, long story short, he has these big giant machines that have this like layer situation of blade. So when you look at this, this blade might be set up for table leg, you know, model number 110. And it's just a series of blades in every direction. You can't tell what it is until you lean it into a spinning piece of wood. Uh-huh. So on like the way the, the, it's in a vlog from years ago, but he has a giant pile of squares and not him. He's met several workers. It's a bunch of like four by fours that may be 30 inches long. And then what well, he sticks it on the machine. And then this whole series of blades that's set up for that model number, the blade spins is all cages to protect your hands and face. And then you push this series of blades directly right into it. So like one big giant lathing blade. And in 30 seconds, the thing is completely formed. Oh, wow. Makes a tremendous amount Whoa. of sawdust it all gets sucked completely away and these all these machines he bought from a, a, a factory years ago and all these machines were made in like the 1930s and he has them all tuned up he's got like 20 of them and they work perfect oh, wow. it's unbelievable and then That's i went crazy. into the blade room so the reason i'm saying all this is because i'm thinking in terms of now like i'm obviously every day i'm thinking of like how to make something and make multiples of it so if i made this concept for this cutting board that taylor is inspired me to make I couldn't really make it on the CNC machine. It would take too long. So I'm thinking, how can I make it quickly, but also make it fil- filmatic and interesting and clever and all these things. And definitely inspired by Izzy's jigs. It's going to be a little bit of blade spinning, a little turning, a little swinging, pendulum action going on. So yeah, that all just came to me live on the podcast. So I bring that up. So maybe Sunday, like I said, if I don't have to go to the hospital, you'll see a cool video of me making a- <laughs> cool cutting board perfect and that's a and, and i talk about i talk about the factory visit because that one little thing has inspired me so often like every single time i think of how am i going to make this should it be made on the cnc i remember matt from tablelegs.com telling me the cnc takes too long and that's so crazy like when you think like the cnc takes too long he's like yeah no it takes too long we got to make a table leg in like 30 seconds we have to cut, you know, hmm. it has to be exactly the same every time. We can't be fiddling with the CNC machine and, you know, the little tiny cutting blade that moves up and down the whole thing. So obviously there are CNC machines that do fast work, but it all depends on what the product is and how fast you're selling them and what the production is. So it's interesting. And I'm going through, I was going to say, I'm going through all these iterations with the toolbox that we're working on now. We're, we're trying different methods of packaging and uh, all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Dave. In Toledo at Kencraft, where I get all my hardwoods, they have this mold, um, like molding making machine for custom, like floor and, and ceiling moldings. And it's, it's, it's probably, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's probably got like five different cutter heads and you put a different bit blade combination in each one and you can pretty much make any shape or size that you want and then this piece of wood comes in uh, you know looks looks like a two by four and comes out as molding on the other side 
and uh, it's a really impressive machine. And they have all these charts so they know all the different combinations for the bits. And then every time a customer comes through, like a lot of times, there's a lot of old houses here in Toledo, and they're trying to recreate the the molding from the original house. And so they can bring in that profile and they can match it. And then they keep everything in a, in a log and you know, just a really impressive machine. It's, it's just like it's like its own little factory. Wood gum comes in and then molding comes out. Hmm. That's pretty cool. It'd be awesome to do that with um, to make like a uh, like a play doh squisher type thing, but instead of like sticking in a two by four, you just stick in like MDF mush, like sauce, <laughs> yeah. MDF you know glue and stuff, and you just stick it into a little thing, and it squeezes out a piece of molding. <laughs> I think I might make that. There you go. <laughs> this this podcast is super inspiring for all kinds of ideas today. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're not necessarily good ideas, but they're ideas. Um. Well, you guys got anything else? I don't know. Kind of winging it, but any any other thoughts, stuff you want to cover? Anything? Oh, but- I have I have one little thing that I I stumbled across, and this is one of my many ideas that I was kind of exploring the other night. Um, and I found this to be a really inspirational uh thing. I picked a material. I don't really want to give it away. It won't give it away. So I picked a material that I don't have much experience with. And I tried to think about what is a thing that I don't know how to do with that material. And so I was thinking about like a 10 mil vinyl, like the the vinyl sheets that you get. Um, I did something recently with marine vinyl. And then that got me thinking about, like, you know, the clear vinyl sheets that you get and how you adhere those together. How do you heat them and make a seal with vinyl? That's a waterproof seal. And so I just like that. That was the kind of impetus for the whole thing. Like, that's a thing I don't know how to heat do. Heat seal? So have you, is, is that possible? A heat seal? Well, yeah, it's a heat seal. But like, what's the way that you do that? What kind of tool mm. press do mm. you need? Do you just iron them together? Is there an adhesive in there? Like, I, I don't know. So while I'm laying there not able to sleep, I'm like, I'll go figure out how to do this little thing. And maybe I'll, you know, tuck it away. And then maybe someday in the future, it'll be useful. And I went on this path of, people trying to figure that out. And I'm sure there is a standard, you know, way to do it if you're in that industry or whatever. But I watched a bunch of videos of people attempting to do it on their own. And that was really enlightening just to see what people came up with. And I ended up on this one video that was, you know, just some dude shooting it with his phone. It wasn't, it was a test basically. But he took a little, um, like a, I don't know what what the tool is called that you go around the outside of a pie to make the little wavy crust thing on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? It's like mm-hmm. a wheel on a little handle. It was like it was like that. It wasn't exactly that, but it was something a like a pounce that. wheel is usually what it's called. He, but maybe you know in the workshop a pounce wheel. It's like got a star. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It has like a wavy edge to it. So he he uh, laid out these two pieces of vinyl on top of each other and then laid down cardboard around where the seam was going to be as a heat shield so you didn't shrink up the rest of it and then he said he had tested some other things but basically he was heating this really limited seam area and then as he was starting to see the material change a little bit he would roll over it with that little tool and it would melt the two layers and then he would be forcing it together and they would lock because of that waviness in the thing and so he just kind of heated an area and then slowly moved it along from one end to the other 
And he had somehow already cut this piece so that it had a corner in it. So basically he was making a squared off corner, a three-sided corner, and he was sealing up the overlapping edges. And then after he got this done, he did a test with it and it held water. So it was just overlapping two pieces, I guess bending around one side and overlapping the other and heat sealing them and it held water. It was so easy that made me be like, there's got to be something I can do with that. Hmm. And that all came from me just laying there, not able to sleep going like, what's a material I don't know how to use? And what's a little mechanism around that material that I don't know how to do? And I just went and started looking and then I got inspired. And now I have like, not a lot of knowledge, but I have a little bit of knowledge around that thing uh, that I can hang on to for the future. So I guess if you're having trouble sleeping, like I am, do that. <laughs> I can tell you my experience in 2002 or three, I spent a lot of time in China trying to figure out how to make, we were going to make a whole line of, of inflatables, me and the company I was working for. So I spent a lot of time in inflatable factories in China and you go into these big showrooms. They're in China, so it's like the countryside. So the buildings are huge. The showroom is the size of a football field because it's in the middle of nowhere. And thousands of just inflatables on the shelves of all and this is all the things that they would have produced and then you go into the factory and they're making these big horns these big brass it's almost like one eighth inch thick brass by maybe an inch or two inches and they make these big brass shapes that are the silhouette of where the heat seal is going to go they weld on or attach all these steel frames so that it holds that shape and then they lay out the big vinyl two layers and they plop it down and in some cases the heat will cut it at the same time as it as it seals it sometimes it's sonic sometimes it's heat there's all different types of ways of doing the heat sealing and uh what i was most impressed with was how they colored if you're going to make like for instance i actually have video of this but i'll never find it it's so old it's from 18 years ago it's uh check your screenshots What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it might be my screenshots. It's be- anything before iPhone is just like in a box. Before like 2009 on is all right here in my hand. Uh, so <clears throat> they have tables that are like as long as two football fields, huge long tables. And there's 10 of them. And somebody goes and lays out the piece of vinyl. They were making Pepsi cans that were heat sealed and you blow up and it becomes a like a 20 inch high Pepsi can. And blue pieces of vinyl, they just, they kind of have like this like sticky adhesive thing on the whole long tables. And then the tables are at a 45 degree angle and there's a lock at the top. So when you drop a silk screen, it stops against the lock. And the tables has like every maybe 20 inches, there's a new piece of blue vinyl. <clears throat> and you have workers laying the vinyl down and the worker with the silk screen and the silk screen has like certain type of stuff that doesn't dry immediately so that they can keep the screen wet. And it's just like screen, 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 while the person in front of them is laying out the blue. And then the person behind them has the different color, screen, screen, screen. And anytime a color touches the back of the screen, it's always going to land in the same spot on the other screen. So as long as they don't mismatch it, you're not going to have like color transference of on dry paint. It's always going to just land on the bottom of the screen and just stay on the bottom of the other screen, if that makes sense. And it was amazing. So like where we see t-shirts companies doing like the the round carousels, these are just long straights and it's unbelievable. And then once like all the colors are done, somebody comes behind them and peels them and lays them on the arm and somebody behind them is laying up another cool you know, another piece of raw material. And uh, yeah, it's just, again, those type of things stay in my mind when I'm thinking about production for what we're going to be doing here, uh, you know, for products for the website. 
So all this years of me visually just soaking in all this stuff is really is is really helping me now in my small little production runs and the for the website stuff. That's it. I'm done talking. Hmm. Nice. Excellent. Well, um, nobody has anything else. Let me thank our Patreon supporters, and then we'll suggest some stuff. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out. Of course, as always, we are very grateful for you. Um, there's a huge list of people, but our top supporters are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Low and Designs, Corey from Make Shape Create, and Odin Leather Goods. I didn't mess up once. I'm getting pretty good at that list. Hmm. Thank you to those people for sticking around so I don't have to relearn that list. <laughs> that's that's very nice of you. Um, but everybody out there at every level that helps us gets the after show, which maybe I'll talk a little bit about some of our upcoming projects that I teased a little bit, the stuff that's in my head mm-hmm. right now, uh, in this week's after show. And I don't know if there's any other secret stuff you guys have, but that's where it happens in the after show. That's where you get secret stuff. So if you want to get that, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. We would greatly appreciate it. Or just share the show with people. That would be helpful as well. You guys got anything to recommend? Dave, you go. Go first. David. <laughs> I wonder why I'm going first. Um, my my pick this week is, <laughs> is a PBS show on YouTube called Soundfield. Uh, and it's... Uh, and, and it's always about music and i absolutely love it uh, the video that they put out a couple of days ago was called jazz influenced hip-hop but how did hip-hop influence jazz and it's a i don't know just a great great video some some great interviews and some like oh yeah never really thought about that so that is my pick it's called Soundfield. i'm gonna link to this particular video but the whole series is absolutely incredible uh, I saw that video because you recommended them before, but I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out some friends. I'm looking through my list of things, and uh, this connects a couple dots. Uh, Crimson Guitars is a web uh, YouTube channel, but they also put out the Great Guitar Build last year, which I jokingly say that I had like a big flunky failure in my attempt at uh, the Great Guitar Build Off. And he asked me the other day, he's like, "Do you want to be part of the new Guitar Build Off?" And I said, "Yes." I would like to redeem myself this time. I won't do my homework the <laughs> night before it's due. So I'm going to try and make a guitar out of leftover resin. Just kidding. I'm going to try and make a guitar. <laughs> make it out of razor blades. Razor blades and leftover resin. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna do a full-on <laughs> guitar that, like, I used to carve a lot. And I don't carve anymore because it takes so much time. But this time, like I said, I'm going to start my homework early and I'm going to carve a guitar. So I said I, I need to try and redeem myself. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. So... Go check out Crimson Guitars when? on YouTube, and uh, the great guitar build-off of 2021 is going to start soon, and I'm going to participate again. One of those videos coming out, I asked because I have a guitar build video in my future, and I'm not I'm not asking to be part of that, but uh, it could be beneficial for me to release. Oh, they, okay. they promote it so everybody who wants to do you know be involved as well. I mean, okay, yeah, no, I, I, this is going to be down the road, you know, like toward gotcha. the uh, second half of the year. So, yeah, I want to. Um, we're talking about products. I don't mean to hijack your your pick here, but oh, no. the okay. guitar build that I'm I'm going to do is I'm trying to come up with nothing crazy, just a unique design, uh, my own design, 
And then I want, I think we talked about it before, but I want to sell different tiers of like, you could download the paper template, make this yourself. You could download the CNC file. I'm not going to use a CNC in the build, but you could download the CNC file if you wanted to. Um, I also want to put together the electronics kit that maybe people could buy on their own or buy from me. I want it to be like, if you've never made a guitar, this is the this is where you can start because this will simplify the entire thing without knowing any electronics and like, and how simple it actually is. It probably won't be uh, a neck build, just the, just the body, but it's a great way for somebody to get, get involved in the making guitars. I'm done well, hijacking your pick. Well, this will lead really well into my after show <laughs> conversation. How about that? Um, all right. So mine is, um, a guy we've talked about before, um, Alexander Chappelle. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. I apologize. Um, but he he does a lot of really good videos uh, of all different types. But recently he's done a couple that are around organizing his shop with 3D printing and then 3D printing these containers that go in drawers. And I didn't watch the first one. Um, I, I don't know particular reason. I just didn't watch it. And then he had a second one. And I was like, I wonder how he's making two videos around 3D printing interesting. And so I watched it and it was interesting. And it was all about him talking about how he's using it, not how he made it. So it's a different, you know, kind of approach to that thing. But he came up with a really cool system that is a grid that you you print this like low profile grid that goes in the bottom of a drawer. And then these different containers that are a, uh, they're, they're equal segments that follow the grid. You know, so if the grid in the bottom of the drawer is a three by six grid, then he has one by threes and one by ones and, you know, three by threes and two by threes and all these different combination boxes that fit in those grids. So when you drop them on the grid and then you open and close the drawer, they don't slide around because the grid is glued down, but it's just a friction fit. And it's a really smart way to have a super flexible, you know, organization system that can change all the time. Now, the the downside is that it is a huge amount of 3D printing and I can imagine took a really long time because I mean he has tons and tons and tons of these containers but it was a very good idea and it got me the, the thing that was really interesting to me about it was not just 3D printing for the sake of 3D printing but being able to make a bunch of pieces that are all relatively sized and work together and are interchangeable and I think that was a really cool it's like a good use for CAD and I assume he did it in Fusion, but for CAD and 3D printing in a real-world situation, you know, to make something that's exact and something that is flexible and useful. So uh, go check that video out. Maybe it'll give you some ideas for something like that. Or just, you know, you can buy files from him and print your own, which is really cool, too, so you could make your own. Uh, Bob, uh, thank you for the recommendation on the Elego printer because me and Aaron have been having mm. fun with it. Aaron is really my technician. Thankfully, Aaron's there to help me get these prints done. But we did the prints on the, the, the knife handle, and a lot of people ask about it. So if you want to be anti-environmentalist, you too can download that file. I'm going to make it available. I'll probably put the link in the video. Uh, we just got to put, like, maybe drop it in the Dropbox. But we'll have the Fusion file or the STL file somehow, some way. So me and Aaron are going to give that away. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, unless you guys have anything else, we'll wrap it up and go to the app. That's it. Yeah. I think I think we're yeah. good. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I do mm-hmm. love. I, cool. Thanks for it. I do love the environment. Okay. You say. <laughs> you sure? 
that's that's good to know and i believe you i believe you thanks for listening everybody and uh we'll see you next time love you that's you too that's directly to you oh i love you too